0: Hi, I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Peg Health Today, and with me is Carlos Velata. He's a veterinarian with the Vet Population Medicine Department at the University of Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. You had the privilege of working with um, Bob Morrison.
1: Yes, I, I did. And uh, it was an amazing privilege. And um, I, had, I had lots of fun with him learning.
0: I bet you did. And, uh, and, and it was a very important project, too, because Bob had started the uh, Swine Health Monitoring Program and I understand that you're very active with that. Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm currently part of the team. This is uh, an amazing team that, uh, you know, we are following Bob's instructions of every week, looking at the data, digging into the data, and uh, and trying to get value of it, so we can bring that value back to the producer. And this is what we are trying to do.
0: What are you, exactly are you doing to, to monitor pers?
1: So we have a guideline that is is described in the in the ASB, and we know different companies are trying to follow that they have their own their own different ways of approaching that but mm-hmm. then we are translating that into a more general way of understanding that so everybody can understand what the other is doing mm-hmm. and uh, these producers and bets they are sending the data weekly and then we incorporate that into our database and then from there we will look at the different trends we we create the report the weekly report on Fridays so this is another thing that uh, Bob wanted to do, like no matter what, the report goes out. So every, every week we are putting a lot of effort in, in doing that report, no matter if we have meetings or we attend conferences. So we, we, we're putting out the report. So this is one piece of, of the project.
0: Well now, other than that Bob said so, it needed to get out every week why is that so important to the industry? I mean, we know that PERS is a, is a huge problem, but why is it so important to monitor its prevalence on a weekly basis?
1: Well, I think we, we're we getting, you know, it's kind of a date or a marriage. We're getting to know each other, the whole industry, so it's important that we, we monitor those incidents so then we learn if there's an increase of incidents in one specific region or if one specific company has uh, uh, more cases than, than other companies. So maybe they are suffering something different or the region is suffering some new strain increasing in that, in that specific region.
0: So when you're monitoring it on a weekly basis, I assume that you're learning an awful lot about, the, about this disease. But what specifically are, are you seeing? Are, are there any, any surprise trends with PERS?
1: Well, one of the last questions that we are trying to solve is um, Why there are summer breaks? So this is Mm -hmm. something that um, in the past um, Steve Tussignan, who who published that said that this is a repeatable pattern and it's it's true. It's really true It's increasing always in the winter probably Mm -hmm. for the weather conditions due to the weather conditions but also we are seeing every year a number of summer outbreaks and um, we don't know what are causing those? So, this is a, a, a question that we are getting from the producers, and, and this is a question that we are trying to answer in the future.
0: And, and do you think it's, it's really a case of you seeing more PERS in summer, or have the diagnostics just become that aggressive and frequent where you're just picking up more of the PERS that was there all along? So, diagnostics, I think it's
1: improving. However, um, the vets are the same and they, you know, they realize when they have an outbreak and then we are having some outbreaks that with farms that they never had an outbreak or they were completely negative. Mm-hmm. So I think there are, there are some cases of birds in the summer, but we need to narrow that down um, and see what is going on there.
0: And. Where there's PERS, there's usually other diseases, other secondary infections. What sort of patterns are you seeing?
1: Well, we are only tracking, we're not tracking, unfortunately, all the diseases because that could be a lot of work to do. The other disease that we are tracking is PED. PED. Yes, and we're seeing also a repeatable pattern and we're seeing like a consistent seasonal pattern as well.
0: And what specifically are you seeing there? I mean, it, it tends to be more of a winter disease, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like I
1: think, well, most of the viruses, not all of them, but uh, tend to be during the winter. The cold keeps them alive somehow. So we're seeing that, that probably there's more transmission uh, with PED.
0: And what about PED in other seasons? Is it possible for it to rear its ugly head in spring or summer, for example?
1: We have seen that, but maybe not at the extent that we are seeing PERS.
0: So are we any closer to having you know, real-time testing for, for PERS?
1: Real-time, that is a, an amazing word that everybody talks about. Yeah. I think we are we're getting closer. We're getting closer every time, but um, it's going to be challenging.
0: Now, PERS is a complex subject. Uh, we've learned a lot about it over the past 20, 25 years. But in, in your mind, what are the things that we still need to know? What what mysteries do we need to unlock about PERS?
1: That is the $1 million question. So we need to learn more about how where is hiding? Where is hiding in the farm? Where is hiding outside the farm? Because we are completely lost. We... Have met with different veterinarians that they are performing outbreak investigation after uh, an outbreak in a so farm, and we cannot find that smoking gun. So I think we need to dig more into that, learn more about that. Um, and I think we are improving in, in, in our diagnostics, so that could help us to, to unravel that, that point.
0: You mentioned PED earlier, but w- what lessons from your work in monitoring PERS and the prevalence of the disease and the patterns of the disease. What lessons have we learned and, and how can we apply those to, to other viruses or maybe even bacterial diseases?
1: Well first of all, because this is a collaborative effort, I would say that collaboration is the first lesson mm-hmm. and is good is sharing sharing the data and everybody is learning about it. And then we have the opportunity also, to meet with different producers, different vets, and, and, and they share their personal experience. And I think that is, a is a, to me, the very important lesson that we can get all together in, in one room, discuss about any topic, and they are really open to discuss about it, and, and they don't restrict the information. And to me, that is a valuable tool.
0: And when you go to a meeting like the Lehman Conference, where you presented yesterday, um, what do you get? out of a conference such as Lehman?
1: Personally, what I get from this conference, attending some other um, presenters or people um, research, is uh, creativity. Because sometimes I'm there in the public listening, just listening, and then you start asking yourself questions about what the other people are presenting. And then uh, I think this is a good opportunity to, to you know, review things and then have your own ideas about different projects that you can move forward.
0: Now I mentioned at the top of our discussion, you had the privilege of working with Bob Morrison. A uh, Very nice tribute to Bob uh, yesterday uh, at the conference. But you had a chance to work with him directly. Tell us something we don't know about Bob Morrison.
1: Well, I don't. Bob was a very open person, so I don't think that I can tell anything that um, has not been shared. So you. You know The National Hot Farm, I think he, they did a great job in that interview with Bob Mor- Morrison when uh, he got the, the Pork Masters mm-hmm. Award and I think Bob was was very open, he was, he was very friendly and uh, he had always like the door of his office uh, open for all of us and I think we had uh, lots of fun. So, as I, I was commenting before, so for example, um He was the one who interviewed me in um, for off in, and he offered a position after after that and then when we went out uh, one day to dinner, he said, "You did such a lousy job <laughs> in that interview.
0: <laughs> but he hired you
1: yes, so he hired me, so probably he saw something uh interesting or he yeah. so that was an an interesting thing. Another thing that I was talking uh, I was commenting yesterday. It's like we were, we were going out to different meetings and um, he was always coming with a pile of papers. So we had three um, hours of road ahead of us. So he was coming with a pile of papers and then you know, after we left Minneapolis uh, and grabbed a, uh, a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. he started a meeting, a three hour meeting. And he, we were always discussing um, whatever had in, in his mind. So we discussed proposals, we discussed uh, emails, we discussed meetings, we discussed different types of things. But then, in the, in the way back, because we were run out of <laughs> papers, mm-hmm. uh, then he was saying, so what did you learn about this meeting? Tell me three things that you learned about this meeting. And then he started asking the different people that were in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he was not answering that question himself. And then, because uh, we were asking him, so what did you learn, Bob? And he was saying, um, "Well, I mean, you you have said all the answers, you know, all the interesting things that, that uh, we had in this meeting." And then we were making fun, and he was trying to change the topic, not to answer that question. <laughs> but we were pushing for a while, so at the end he had to made up something. Yeah. So it was, I think he was very open in that sense, um, very open guy, very good guy, friendly, and uh, I I would I like this humbleness which was, I think, the most impressive thing in a person of that position.
0: Well, I know he was always thinking about pigs but, and always great at communicating the information, but clearly had a gift of working with people and you were blessed to be one of them. Yeah. Excellent. We've been talking to Carlos Velata. He is with the Department of Vet Population Medicine at the University of Minnesota. Carlos, again, thank you for joining us.
1: Today. Thank you for inviting me.